if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now, nine minutes past 10 o'clock. Once again, thank you for being with us uh, on this Thursday, the 18th morning of the sixth month of the year of our Lord 2020. Thanks again to talk to, uh, to uh, Dr. Keith Ablow talking about the psychiatry of what is going on in this country or the psychology thereof. Pleased to be joined by a different type of doctor now as we welcome Dr. Everett Piper back to our program. He is a former university president, best-selling author, columnist for the Washington Times. He's a radio host in Oklahoma and a, be- and a uh, highly sought-after speaker as well. Dr. Piper, good to have you back on the program here in Cleveland. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Bob. Thanks for having me on, as always. Yes, sir. Two big topics to discuss with you today, and we're going to take them uh, in, uh, in, in, a, in an order that I think is the appropriate one, because I want to get past the first one so we can spend more time on the second. Your column for the Washington Times this past weekend uh, was filled with questions for evangelical pastors and evangelicals, period, leaders who uh, were once defined by piety, not politics, but now engaging in politics, and in your mind, the worst kind. They have pandered to the radical Black Lives Matter organization, and I'll say this for my own benefit, uh, as I have repeatedly, uh, black lives absolutely do matter because they are American lives and every American life matters. But Black Lives Matter, the organization, is another thing altogether. And you've got some questions that you asked in this week's column uh, for evangelical leaders about why and how they have decided to back that organization. Can you tell us more? I'll just cite a, a very quick uh couple quotes out of the article, Bob. Um, I basically am asking, how in the world can you stand with an organization that mocks the Bible, mocks God, belittles men, demeans women, subjugates generations of black children to the dysfunction of fatherless families? How can you do this? And they're anti-Semitic to boot, and they're pro-abortion to boot. Am I making this up? Is this just my opinion of Black Lives Matter? No. You go to their own website, as you've done, and as I've talked about before on your show, and their website says this, and I quote, We do the work required to dismantle cisgender privilege. We build a space that is free from sexism, misogyny, and environments which are man-centered. We dismantle patriarchal practices. We disrupt the rest Western prescribed nuclear family structure 
We foster a queer-affirming network with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking. And that's the quote from the Black Lives Matter website. How can you claim to be a Christian leader and stand in solidarity with a group that promotes this type of anger and revenge and calls for revolution rather than repentance, one that's waving a banner of pride rather than humility and and penitence? one that foments resentment and laughs in the face of forgiveness. This is what the evangelical community is standing in solidarity with. These guys need to go back and read their Bibles. And they need to stand for what the gospel, the evangel, the good news of Jesus Christ has always stood for, and that is to stop blaming everybody else for what's wrong with the world and look in the mirror and accept the responsibility and blame yourself. It's about confession. It's not about conflict. It's about repentance. It's not about revolution. My land. These guys need to listen. And I'm going to close. I, I want to cite the Catholic. Uh, is he a bishop? Yeah, the Catholic Archbishop. I, you can pronounce it. I probably Vigano. Butcher it. Vigano. Yeah, Vigano. Yes. This. He says this, and he is spot on. This is his quote: "There are now mercenary infidels who seek to scatter the flock and hand the sheep over to be devoured by ravenous wolves. A deep church that betrays its duties and forswears its proper commitments before God. Mercenary infidels, a deep church that betrays its duties and forswears its proper commitments for before God. Amen, Bishop Pagano. Amen. It's about time that the evangelical community listen to this, and it's about time the parishioners start challenging their leaders Another Catholic uh, priest, archbishop, I can't remember, and I'm going to paraphrase, he said this, wolves in sheep's clothing are dangerous, but wolves in shepherd's clothing are downright deadly. And that's exactly what you see in this solidarity with an organization that seeks to destroy the Church and destroy Christianity rather than allowing itself with the gospel of Christ. Dr. Piper, one final question on this before we turn our attention to the Supreme Court and the assault on religious liberty and women that is going to result from that. Um, Many of the questions you asked in your column would seem to be rhetorical, but I don't want them to be. I want answers. Do you ever get answers from the evangelical community um, when you ask questions like this about why they are doing what they are doing, why they're backing organizations that 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 run completely counter to everything that is taught in in Christian in in the Bible and in and in uh, in Christianity. Yeah, I get answers, and, and let me contextualize it like this: uh, uh, You're a faithful Catholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I identify as evangelical. I'm not too sure I want to wave that banner any longer because of what it's become. I'm sure that when you call to task those within the Catholic Church, you get a lot of people who are saying, amen, go get them, Bob. But you're probably getting some people who are saying, whoa, 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 slow down here. Why are you criticizing your own? I get the same. I get a lot of evangelicals that are texting me and saying, thank you, it was about time. I get a handful of arrogant millennials who will try to explain themselves out of this. For example, one arrogant guy posted, I'm being accused of being a neo-Marxist because I'm standing with Black Lives Matter in solidarity. And then he says this, there are over 80 organizations that claim the name Black Lives Matter. Not all of them are neo-Marxists. Well, that's asinine. That's crazy. The website, it says, I don't care how many other organizations out there want to use the lower case Black Lives Matter nomenclature. What I am pointing at is this. There is one flag that is BLM. 
and there's one organization with a website that leads the BLM movement. Are these guys going to stand in solidarity with a white supremacist group? Because there are a lot of other organizations out there that carry the same flag and plain name, but they're not really white supremacists. No, they would condemn that. They would, and they should condemn that. Are they going to stand in solidarity with the Nation of Islam because it does a good work and it feeds the poor and encourages uh, uh, black responsibility in Chicago? No, I hope they're not going to stand in solidarity with the Nation of Islam. I hope they'll criticize it rather than align themselves with it. So this claim that somehow um, we can wave that banner without embracing their ideals is nonsense. That's pure nonsense. Outstanding explanation. And that's why I didn't want those questions to be just left hanging out there as if there are no answers. I want to hear what they're saying, how they're defending them, themselves, and how you come back at that. Uh, let's take our time out now so we can spend the final segment talking about the Supreme Court decision, a 6-3 to three disastrous decision that is going to have an extraordinarily negative impact on religious liberty in our country. It's under attack. And Dr. Piper will explain more right after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, it's 1020 as we continue now on AM 1420, The Answer, with our guest, Dr. Everett Piper. All right, Dr. Piper, it's um, it's a disaster, uh, is what it is, as far as I am concerned. The Supreme Court's decision to expand the definition of sex, which is, uh, which is the way it was worded, among other protections in the 1964 Civil Rights Act under Title VII, to include sexual orientation and sexual identification or gender identification has put um, Christian employers and Christian institutions, religious rather, I should say, religious institutions in a very precarious situation. They now have no right, according to uh, the Supreme Court, to make their hiring and or retention decisions based upon people practicing the faith that they teach and that they believe in at their particular schools or institutions. Now a Catholic church or Catholic school, for example, it doesn't have to be Catholic, but for example, um, cannot tell uh, a person uh, who is a male, a biological, anatomical, physiological, chromosomal male, uh, but who dresses as a woman, that you can't come in there and demonstrate that lifestyle for our students because it runs counter to the biblical teachings that we are trying to impart upon them. Now that's discrimination on the basis of sex, somehow, according to the twisted logic of the majority in that 6-3 to three decision. That's just one example of how religious liberty is going to be challenged here. And Can you tell us the rest? Well, there's so much to talk about, so I've got to control myself here. Here's, in, in the Gorsuch ruling, he specifically refers to, in his writing for the majority, that the reason they have to do this is because of Title IX. So to be compliant with Title IX, which was a law established to give women equal access to the playing field, equal access to scholarships and sports, equal access to facilities. Under Title IX, as a college president, I complied with that for 30 years, and for good reason. We Women should have equal facilities, equal locker rooms, equal access to the soccer field or to the basketball court. I agree with that. And I complied with that honorably and proudly. But here's my question, Justice Gorsuch. If I'm required to give women equal access under the auspices of Title IX, how can I possibly do so if I now honor your ruling, which requires me to deny that the female is a fact? 
how can I give women equal access to anything if they're not real? If they're nothing but fabrications and fantasies. If a woman is nothing but a leprechaun or a unicorn, make believe, pretend, and I've got to take her facility, take her scholarship, take her bathroom, take her shower, take her dignity, take her very identity away from her and give it to a dysphoric male who wants to play dress up and pretend, how am I giving women equal access? This is misogynistic. It is anti-woman. You can't be a feminist if you deny the feminine. This is lunacy. It goes back to the error and the lie of 1992 and Justice Kennedy when he wrote in Planned Parenthood versus Casey this, at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concepts of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. No, it's not. <laughs> it is not. You do not have the right to define your own concept of existence. There are biological facts that already define that. Justice Kennedy's rationale was a lie, and Gorsuch is grounding his ruling in that lie. At the heart of liberty is the obligation to live within the laws of God, and when you stuck outside those boundaries, as Chesterton warned us, get rid of those big laws of God, and you don't get liberty. You get thousands and thousands of crazy, insane little lies like this, uh, like this ruling from Gorsuch. It's not. It's not going to live, it's not going to result in liberty when you start defining your own concepts of existence. It's going to result in chaos. And here we have it. That's a very great point, uh, and the impact on women, and you're right, they essentially are written out of existence by this, this ruling that, uh, that gender and sex is only a state of mind, and uh, whatever you feel like you are, you are, and that can indeed uh, have very, very deleterious impacts on women. But uh, I want to talk also, as I mentioned, about the employment aspect of this and the freedom of a religious institution to practice their religion and to essentially demand, um, which, is, which is what they should be entitled to, do that people in their employ live the life according to the tenets of the religious institution that they are that are that is paying them that they exemplify that life in the dissent by justice alito for example here's what he says dr piper Briefs filed by a wide range of religious groups, Christian, Jewish, and Muslim, express deep concern that the new posi- the position now adopted by the court will trigger open conflict with faith-based employment practices of numerous churches, synagogues, mosques, and other religious institutions. They argue that uh, organizations need employees who actually live the faith, and t- compelling them to employ individuals whose conduct flouts the tenets of that faith forces the group to communicate an objectionable message. Can you tell me how dangerous that is? You know, we've already seen the Sisters of the Poor fighting to not have to provide financial uh, 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 remuneration to women who want to buy abortifacient drugs uh, in their employ because it flies in the face of the, their, their principles, Catholic teachings, the Bible, etc. Now we're talking about being forced to hire people or keep them on if they change who they think they are while in the employ of a religious institution. It's incredibly dangerous. What this ruling says is I no longer have the right to require my employees to comply with a behavioral code. I don't have the right to tell them that if you work for me, you've got to behave in a given way. And if you compromise that honor code, that code of conduct, you can't work here. I no longer have the right to do that because what Gorsuch and the Supreme Court have done is they violated the very admonition of Gore Vidal, who was active in a homosexual life but admitted the following, and I think I've said it on your show before. Gore Vidal, Gore Vidal, of all people, said this. 
there is no more such thing as a homosexual person than there is a heterosexual person. These are behavioral adjectives, unquote. So even he recognized this is behavior. This is not identity. This is what I choose to do. It is not the definition of my very being. But Gorsuch has denied that, and therefore a Christian or a Jewish organization no longer has the right legally. Now, they should tell the Supreme Court to go pound sand, and that's what I would do if I were the leader. But they've now said you can no longer have a dress code. You can no longer require people to behave in a manner that's consistent with your worldview and your Christian or Jewish, Jewish ethic. You now have to allow them to define themselves by a behavioral adjective, and if you tell them to stop behaving that way, you're a bigot, you're a hater, you're discriminatory, and we will fine you and jail you, and we will sequester you. You're out of business. That's well, yeah, that, that's the, that's the big part. You know, uh, the fines may be survivable. Lo- the lawsuits, though, by the individuals, and they are certain to come, just like they did against Masterpiece Cake Shop, et cetera, et cetera. The lawsuits are going to put people out of business. And, and, and the idea that a religious school that say may teach, and Justice Alito referenced this too, they may teach that same-sex marriage is against their 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 biblical uh, beliefs. They may teach that sexual reassignment procedures are immoral. But if somebody in their employ brings their same-sex spouse to a school function, uh, they have to accept that and just tell the kids, look the other way, or no, don't look the other way, that's discriminatory. They then have to pay through the employer-provided health insurance for sexual reassignment surgery that also violates one of the strict tenets of their faith. Those are the things that I, I and again, I don't know what the, where the appeal is now. The Supreme Court has ruled. Overturning a Supreme Court ruling is extraordinarily difficult, something that takes decades, probably, and, uh, and that's where we are, Dr. Piper. Well, very quickly, this is not hyperbole. The example that you just brought up is real. I worked at a Christian college just a, handful, just a, a couple decades ago, and one of the guys, 6'4", 250-pound guy, came out and started dressing like a woman. Size 14 pumps, makeup, a wig, a miniskirt. Does this Christian college have the right to tell him to stop? That's the question. Judge Gorsuch's ruling says no. You cannot because he's now defined by that aberrant behavior. And you can, you can teach in the classroom that you disagree, but you have to allow him to teach the class that is now saying <laughs> the institution disagrees. This is asinine. It is upside down. And Gorsuch, that is what the Christian community should say no to. Gorsuch and Roberts, by the way, sided with the four liberal justices. I remember being excited when I thought we had a conservative court. And when I say conservative, I don't mean activist. I mean originalist. I mean textualist. I mean just following the laws uh, as as guided by the Constitution. They have decided to take over the role of legislators. Uh, and, uh, again, two supposed conservative justices uh, are at the forefront of this. Dr. Everett Piper, this is only the beginning of this discussion. There are so many more elements of this to talk about, and we'll pick that up again next week. Thank you, sir. All right, let's take care. Bye-bye. 10.30, let's get news time now. Your calls immediately to follow on 1420 The Answer. Okay, it's 10.36. Thanks again for being with us on this Thursday. 
Uh, we're going to be open phone lines the rest of the way, free for all Thursday, last half hour, 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. There's so much news to do, I can't do it all anyway, so I might as well that you kind of decide what direction we go for uh, these con- parts of our conversation. So let's go ahead and do that now. We're going to go to, boy, all of a sudden I can't hear myself very well here. I think I've got an issue on my tech side. Okay, let's go to the phones, and uh, we'll go to John, who's calling us from Chardon on AM 1420, The Answer First. Hi, John, go ahead. Hi, hi, Bob. Um, I think for a solution to this conflict between uh, our fellow uh, uh, citizens and the police, we have to go back back to the basics. I served on Chardon City Council for uh, two terms from 2010 to 2017. During that time, one of the messages the police and his lieutenant had for us was very applicable, applicable to preventing the chaos and anarchy, anarchy in which we find ourselves today. It has to do with the mindset of we the people and the backup by our government leadership, and it goes like this. When police enter a situation, be it a school, a traffic stop, a demonstration, or whatever, they are in charge and assume control. Could you repeat that, John? When police enter a situation, be it a school, a traffic stop, a demonstration or whatever, they are in charge, and that's 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 the way it was uh, uh, way back when, and we need to go back to that. But but when did that change? I guess the reason I wanted to hear it again because isn't that the way it's supposed to be now? It's just a matter of yes, the police are in charge, but if people don't want to be taken under arrest, uh they're they're going to basically say you're not in charge i'm going to do what i want and then the police of course have to put into practice the fact that they are in charge and then they get you know they get literally charged yeah well, well you know i'm saying i mean I, I i like the i like the idea of what you're saying but i mean i don't know that that has really changed you call that the old way i don't know that that has really changed police are supposed to be obeyed when they give a lawful order every citizen is uh responsible for following that lawful order and if they decide to not follow that lawful order they can be placed under arrest but when they resist that arrest see this is the frustrating part about what happened in atlanta and i'm sure you realize this john and thank you for the call, sir. Um, the frustrating thing about that is everybody's saying, well, even the prosecutor said, well, for 41 minutes, it was a very civil exchange. It was even, what was the word that they used? Um, jovial, I think, between them. And that's because the guy, Rayshard Brooks, was trying to be friendly to the police, hoping that if he's jovial and nice enough, they won't arrest him because he's on parole. Even if he wasn't on pro, just, just, he's trying to be nice. It's trying to be friendly, trying to laugh and stuff, and, and in the hopes of getting off. The police were as polite as polite could be. They chuckled with him, too. It was jovial. Hey, great. Until he realized that his joviality and his humor and his, and his gregarious nature and his fun-loving, I'm just a drunk guy who fell asleep at the wheel in a, in a Wendy's drive-thru, y'all, uh, you know, the, the, the goofiness of it all wasn't going to work, and they were going to arrest him anyway. And now, suddenly, joviality is out the window, and it's resistance, and it's assault, striking two officers, stealing one of their weapons then firing it at them as they pursue you on foot. It wasn't like the officers suddenly escalated it from joviality to deadly force. It was the suspect who turned it into a dangerous situation. So my point to that is, 
I think everybody knows that in a police-involved situation, a police contact with a civilian, the police are in charge. That's what law and order means. There are authority figures in society. And the sad fact of the matter is, the reason why some people don't respect the authority figures of society is because they do not have reliable authority figures in the home as they grew up. And that's just the reality of it. Children who grow up without fathers, whatever race they may be, children who grow up without fathers in the home, or, and I had a caller yesterday saying, uh, I raised, or no, he was telling me a friend of his who raised his son, uh, even though he did not live with the mother. The, now, the statistics would say this is a single mother, and the child should therefore be, you know, condemned to a life of trouble, blah, blah, blah. But he didn't because dad, while he didn't live with them, raised his son. Great! That's all that we're talking about. Their need, is it better to be in the same household? Sure. Is it is it better than not being involved at all to raise your children in two different households? Absolutely. As long as there are consequences and discipline and a respect for authority being practiced by two parents, children have an opportunity to recognize that authority must be obeyed. And authority, and even though you may not like it, it's for your own good. It's to teach you something about how to get along in the world. But the truth of the matter is that children who are raised without fathers, whatever race they are, so this is not a race-based commentary, whatever race they are, they are five times more likely to be uh, uh, dropouts. They are nine times, I'm trying to remember Larry Elder, he always quotes these statistics, I want to say nine times more likely to be incarcerated than children with two parents raising them. That's just facts. And you can see why. If there is no authority figure in the house that is respected by the child and no authority figure and, and discipline and obedience is demanded by, by the parents, then what do the kids do when they go to school? They don't respect the authority of the teacher, the principal, the assistant principal in charge of discipline, etc. They don't respect their coaches if they play on sports teams and their authority. And yes, when they get out into the world, they don't re- recognize the authority of the police officer. And they challenge them at every turn. This is not hard to follow. Raising children right with two parents being active participants in the discipline of the child, in the, uh, you know, playing the role of authority figure over the child, making sure that the child is respecting the discipline of the, 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 the teachers and the other school officials, making sure that they do their homework and that they do write their essays and that they do study for their tests and that they do attend their classes. Teaching kids to respect authority starts with the very first authority figures, their parents. And if they don't have that, they don't respect the authority of the officers. Let's go to um, Navy Man Norm on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Norm. Go ahead. Bob, you're in great, you're in great form this morning. Uh, two comments. Number one, I just wanted to tell you about a little experience I had with Axel Hoyer last week. Um, typical German. Precision. Precision. <laughs> quality. Uh, he did exactly what you say he would do. He came out to our house and uh, kind of teased me about the fact that Brian went 2-0 and against Notre Dame when I handed in my Notre Dame tapes to convert. <laughs> anyway, he delivered not only the DVDs, they were in a custom album. They had logo labels made up for each, uh, each one. Uh, even threw in popcorn, despite the fact that uh, uh, he's your friend. He said, uh, you know, 
Bob won't mind. I'm giving you popcorn. But anyway, I just want <laughs> he gave to me popcorn in my he gave me popcorn in my my uh, album too. By the way, uh, yeah. he he, t- he takes care of the folks. I mean, it's I love it, right? You're gonna sit down and watch the movies, your home movies. What goes better with movies than popcorn? I love it. Yeah, I'm so glad exactly. to hear you have they had that great experience. He he really is, uh, you know, dedicated to people and doing exactly what he says. Yeah. So I'm glad to hear that. Thank and, you. And the words exceeding my expectations can't even come close. I mean, awesome. Uh, I was expecting just some, you know, little DVDs, silver in a little case, blah, blah, blah. No, no. I got a beautiful album. I got beautiful labels. Uh, everything documented, detailed. It was fantastic. And I and I urge, I sincerely urge all your listeners, if they have these tapes that they, they really uh, uh, want to keep, have Axel convert them. You won't be sorry. You won't be sorry. Now, that I'm being said, that. I, just wanted, I just wanted to say... I am so sickened. I see they threw Aunt Jemima under the bus. They're going to throw uh, Uncle Ben under the bus. Uh, yeah. Who else? Cream of wheat. Uh, cream else? of wheat guy. The cream of wheat guy. The chef <laughs> on the front of cream of wheat is gone too. Mrs. Butterworth. Yeah. I think they came for Mrs. Butterworth a long time ago, um, saying that that was not, that wasn't a racial thing. It was a fat shaming <laughs> thing. It was a size. You know, she's a big. It's a large bottle. You know, uh, it's a it's a wide bottle. And Mrs. Butterworth, the shape of Mrs. Butterworth, made uh, uh, heavy people feel bad or something like that. I don't know. I'm a heavy guy and I don't feel bad. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it. You know, and you know, they're coming for the Washington Redskins anew. This has kind of died down for a little while now, and now they're saying, "Where are you, Dan Snyder and Washington Redskins? You should not have that logo or that name for your." Uh, for your football team either so yeah the f- cancel culture is in full effect yeah and i just I'm, I'm affected by the lines the last line last two sentences in michelle malkin's little thing about get up off your knees i am nauseated by the sight of sobbing white people groveling for forgiveness before sadistic black lives matter demagogue as if this will appease the unappeasable it will not and it never will america straighten your spines and bow your heads no home or nation was ever saved by kowtowing to invaders or ransackers. Unless you are praying to God, get up off your knees. And I watched on TV the football coach of Oklahoma State grovel before his players. I watched this University of Texas and other schools. And, Bob, the only way, the only way that these people are going to get the message is click off the TV. Don't watch their game. Don't watch the NFL. Don't watch the NBA. Send them our message and hit them in the wallet because the only thing they understand is the doubt. And that's the only way we're going to stop this foolishness and insanity. So have a great day. Norm, thank you for the call uh, in all aspects. You're right, especially for that uh, at the end. It is about that. And, you know, I kind of referenced it in passing earlier in the program. When you bow to the rage mob thinking that that's going to get you off the hook, it is the biggest mistake that you can make. Drew Brees found that out. He's the most recent person to find that out. He said, I would never support anybody defaming or uh, discrediting or, or I can't remember the exact wording. I'm paraphrasing it now, the flag or our national anthem because of what it means to uh, the, the, those who fought and, and built this free country. And, uh, of course, immediately you know the story. The 20-year veteran who has just been considered to be one of the true icons of the game, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer when he retires, a guy who's been an ambassador to the sport and to sports uh, generally, 
He immediately was challenged over being insensitive to racial matters at best and a racist at worst worst for not supporting the kneeling during the anthem uh claiming that uh it's not about the flag it's about social justice so drew Brees, of course being after being dragged through the uh you know the the trash of the internet and of uh, online sports talk shows and in other places of course apologizes says he didn't realize uh exactly what was going on here and i'm so sorry and did that make things better no they came for him even worse they came for him and saying, now we know what he really is. He doesn't even have the true uh, uh, belief in this. And he was just saying that to be provocative and blah, blah, blah. It never works to apologize to the rage mob for being right, even. And what did Drew Brees, being forced to capitulate, do to the situation? It forced Baker Mayfield, quarterback of the Browns, who was asked about this a few days ago. He said, absolutely, I will kneel during the national anthem in solidarity with social justice and Black Lives Matter. And you know what Browns fans said, a lot of them? Oh, my God, I'm never going to watch the Browns again. I can't believe it. If he does that, I'm done with the Browns. I'll root for the Bengals. I had somebody text me and say, I'll root for the Bengals. And you know what I said? For what purpose? You don't think Joe Burrow, the new quarterback of the Bengals, is going to be kneeling as well? Once they got to Drew Brees... No one will be spared. Anybody and everybody, particularly if you're the quarterback and thus by position the leader of a team, none of them are going to be able to explain to the uh, media, which is going to love this, and to the angry African-American players and to uh, fans, how you can say that you don't stand with Black Lives Matter when you have all of these black teammates and you have all of this racial discord. And don't you know that George Floyd was murdered? And how can you uh, not kneel with your teammates in solidarity? They're all going to be forced to do it. If they can get to Breeze, the icon, then they are going to force everybody to do it. Which brings us to the point that Norm made. we got to turn it off. We do. We have to turn it off. We cannot support it any longer. And I got to tell you, I have been watching football since I was a child, and I mean a very young child. It's my favorite sport by far. Not that the other ones are any, any better than this, by the way, right now. But when Roger Goodell took this to the next level and said a couple of days ago that he wants Colin Kaepernick, who started this, with his kneeling protests during the anthem, because he said he cannot stand for a flag or an anthem that represents this country because of what this country is. He wasn't talking about the flag itself. He said this country and what it represents, he will not stand for. The guy who wears Fidel Castro shirts, he supports the country that is communist human rights oppressing Cuba. Roger Goodell said, I want that guy to lead our league through social justice corrections. That's the guy that I want in charge. You got to turn it off. We have to turn it off. I've been watching it for my entire life. It's my favorite sport by far at all levels. Youth football, high school football, college football, professional football. We got to turn it off. We cannot be complicit in this. We just can't. Sorry for the rant. Be right back after this. Show on anywhere. The 
10.56, time for just a couple of more phone calls. Um, but before I do that, just can somebody tell me how voluntary segregation promotes racial unity? Uh, yeah, that's what I said. Um, according to a listener who sent me this email with a, an image of a flyer sent to parents by a local school district, a local school district is now promoting segregation rather than unity, racial segregation. Didn't people die in the attempt? Didn't, weren't people beaten in an attempt to end segregation? Dear students and parents, Many students have expressed a need for a safe outlet, yada, yada, yada. These, uh, we have decided to promote or provide our students with safe spaces to express themselves under the guidance of staff members. These listening sessions will take place by building so that they are handled in an age-appropriate manner. Each building will have two sessions, one for African-American students and the second for all students. We feel it's important that African-American students have a separate space due to the unique nature of their shared experience in addition to a common space with all their peers. Beachwood schools, what in the living hell are you doing? Beachwood schools, if this is legitimate, what are you doing? We're promoting racial unity by separating people by race? How many steps back, how many decades back are you trying to set race relations in this country? TJ in Cleveland, you're on the air. TJ, go ahead. Yeah, hi, Bob. I was going to call on something else, but, you know, this Baker Mayfield touched a real nerve with me. When he tried to do some damage control, then he come back out and he says, well, I'm also kneeling to show uh, honor our, our veterans. Well, I'm a Vietnam veteran, and he ain't honoring me one bit. All I can tell you, Baker, is you can kiss my Vietnam veteran patootie, because I don't look at that as honor at all. And I am truly done with the NFL as much as I love football. And one other thing. You're not the people, only one. Yeah, people aren't aware of this. I found out yesterday, during them riots, not only policemen were injured, some of their horses were injured, one of them pretty seriously. They were throwing rocks and bottles at the at the animals, too. I know they were. Where's, where's the ASPCA? Because they, they, the, they wanted the animals to buck. They wanted the horses to buck and throw the police officers off so that they could attack them. They attacked the animals to try to attack the officers. Yeah, and where's the, the ASPCA wants a donation from us? Where are they? to come out and speak out against this kind of abuse and treatment of animals. And one other quick so thing, many, Bob. I, I, CJ, i got to jet. We're out of time here. I can't do the third thing, but I appreciate the phone call. Yeah, there's so many elements to this. It's, uh, it's going to be very, very hard to deal with on a daily basis. Uh, that's all the time that we've got. Thanks for being with us. Larry Elder will join us tomorrow on Juneteenth, and he will talk to us about being an Uncle Tom, which is the title of his new movie that premieres tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. Have a great day. Enjoy the silence.